Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Wave podcast. I've been a I've been a romantic my whole life. I didn't I didn't go through that stage when I was a kid where I thought girls were icky. Uh, I've been fascinated by romance. I think it was an interesting contrast to growing up in a very toxic, um, witnessing a very toxic marriage between my parents, and also you know fundamentalist Christianity isn't known for romance. <laughs> that's not that's not one of the things. Um, but you know, we, we are born who we are and I, I was a born romantic and I love, um, expressing myself romantically to my partner, uh, especially when it's not days like Valentine's day, I'm not anti Valentine's day, but I am definitely anti, this is for all the men out there treating Valentine's day is the only day to be romantic is pretty stupid. So don't do that. Anyway, um, I am joined today by someone that I met, actually, who I I specifically went to the Metropolitan Breakfast Club to hear her speak on this topic of how to properly apologize, which was fascinating to me. And I'm joined today by Helena Summers. Helena is also here in Austin, Texas, and is a relationship coach for high achievers, which is pretty fascinating, and also a a lifelong romantic and an expert on romance as, as well. So welcome, Helena. Thank you for coming on The Third Way. So good to have you to to have me with you to be here with you, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, just as a little refresher, because um, it's it's not direct. I mean, yes, it's directly related to romance, but it's certainly a relationship skill. Do you have yes. a little one line uh, description of what you talked about the day we met, like that 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 speech? Like, how would you describe the topic to people? Yeah, the topic is basically we overuse the word sorry. Uh, the problem in relationships in, is that we lack connections. Right. We have a title. We are friends. We are lovers. But we really lack real connection. And when something happens, some mistake happens, we think that sorry is enough. And this is why we lose each other. So I created Healing Apology Formula as a simple five-step process, how to actually go through the it to create connection, even after some terrible time was committed. I use it a lot um, in a lot of different ways. Um, I knew some of it. I knew about, you know, say thank you instead of I'm sorry. So that's often a thank you for your patience as opposed to I'm sorry I was late or whatever. Um, well, you know, that's a skill. It's a communication skill. And I've learned through obser- observation that you kind of need within, and we're focusing primarily today on intimate relationships, romantic relationships, you know, partners, husband, wife, whatever label ever anyone wants to use is that, you know, you need chemistry, connection, um, communication, and like character, like similar values you know, or, and, and compatibility. Ability, yeah. Yeah. So um, in this particular case, the romance is a skill that crosses all of those. It's a communication thing. It's a connection thing. It's a chemistry thing. It's a compatibility thing. And so um, it's interesting to me to think of romance as a skill, which kind of leads me to my my first question for us to kick around. And 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 that is what is some social conditioning or common social condition you see when you're coaching your clients or, or or interacting with with people? What is some social condition we have to unlearn about romance, especially in the United States? Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> yes, especially in the United States, it's such a self-made glorification 
country that people are so proud of their boundaries. You need to set boundaries. You need to set boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Yes, boundaries are valuable, but boundaries are second. What should go first is bridge. Mm. And I have a whole talk called Bridges and Boundaries. And when my female clients, they, oh, I'm so badass. I'm, I got put a boundary to him. I said, yeah, you can be a boundaries badass or you can be bridges and boundaries bombshell. Mm. Imagine I invite you and your wife to come to my home. And I said, so listen, Justin, when you get to my house, please park on the corner over there. Don't park too close to the curb, just a little bit further and do this and do that. And then before you enter in, please make sure your shoes are fully clean. Ring the doorbell with the left hand. Don't you ever ring it with the right hand. And when you get in, you will be like, I don't even want to see you. But if I first put a bridge, welcome, I'm so happy to have you. You know, so happy. I'm going to make this food and that food and we're going to have a great time. And then at the end, I said, please don't smoke in my house. Right. Yeah. Right? So we my, Virginia, Yeah, Virginia, my partner, talks about how we mistake, through because of social conditioning and some like brain science too, we mistake what we think are boundaries when really they're either projections or expectations. <laughs> and and it takes consciousness, uh, you know, social consciousness, really, um, to be to nuance the difference between those things. Um, ex, you know, the way I like to describe it is expectations are of the ego and boundaries are of the soul. And but the ego loves to call it boundaries because it makes it feel better. <laughs> so and the bridges are of the heart. The the bridges are of the heart exactly. So boundaries or, or or things that are mistaken as boundaries. What else are you seeing in out there that is um, uh, some unlearning that uh, men and women in the United States need to do related to romance? Yeah, uh, there is a lot of inability to hold a higher picture when you have conflict. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I'm going to tell you like it is. You hurt me. And we can even use I statements. I feel hurt when you said that. And it sounds politically correct, but it's not, it doesn't work to create connection. Right. And so many therapists, so many, it's like a propaganda everywhere that will tell you, use I statements. And books are written and big PhD people, and you should really follow that. But it doesn't feel right. What I call it, I say, win an Oscar. So Mm -hmm. basically, imagine your relationship is a romantic comedy. And if there is a conflict, it's like in a romantic comedy. We have each other's back. We care for each other. We are like in friends. There was no big, crazy vitriol. Even if they would get upset at each other, there is no err. Right? I feel hurt when you, they do feel hurt maybe when something happens, but the way they do it, how you go through it, it's like you imagine you have to win an Oscar for a role in a romantic comedy, not for a role in a Terminator. Right, right. So you put on a charm first. You put on the sweetness. You'd say what's right to say, to connect, not what's right to say to one-up them. Right. 
And it's almost like in our society and also now in East Europe as well, it's becoming more and more popular to win the agreement, to win the disagreement. I told you, you should have listened to me, is conclusion. Instead of, oh, we threw this together. High five, you overcame this one. We can do next one as well. Yeah, Jordan Peterson talks about... um, don't argue with your spouse because that creates a loser and nobody wants to be married to a loser. You know, it's a, it's right. a simple, a simple, profound thing. Um, yeah, and I, I wrote an essay this week. This is being uh, recorded on February 15th. It'll well, post this on this day, but I wrote an essay this week called the erotic life. Ooh. And it's a kind of an homage to the song of Solomon, which is a erotic poem in the Bible, ironically, and Walt Whitman and, um, Esther Perel and others. And one of the things that I noted in there is that I think most of us are living within our relationships, either kind of mechanical lives or transactional lives. Thank you. And I, and I think those are the two, those are two big passion killers. And one thing I know from, from my own experience is without passion, there is no romance. You can't gin it up. You can't, you can go through the mechanics of romance. You can get by the card, maybe even be a decent writer, maybe, find a song and you can, and it goes to this thing. And I see, I don't, I see it more in men than women, but I'm sure it it goes both ways is a sort of performativeness that it's a performance all of the time. And then you can't keep that up, especially in the early stages of dating someone, you can't keep up this facade um, that you've, you've produced. Um, But but the reason they do that, I think is because of being, have a mechanical life. I'm sure it happens in, you know, how you do romance is how you do all the other areas of your life is my theory as well. And so if somebody's mechanical or formulaic is another one, um, you know, trying to like crack the code on women, if you're a man, it's like, no, you don't need to, here's the code, listen, <laughs> listen yeah. and, and connect and, you know, and be then, present you, with your yeah, power, not with yeah. your story. <laughs> exactly. Which is another thing as an unlearning, I've seen men, I've, I've witnessed this, like, you can tell men are on like on a first date or, you know, they meet up and they, and they, all they do is they, it's not just that they talk about themselves. It's that they're narrating. It's interesting. And so it's another thing to unlearn narration and, and relearn questions, asking good questions. Um, And I think that's another thing. I think that some of that comes from a lot of men, especially men, white men come from power structures and, in power structures, you're not used to asking questions. You're used to having answers and giving commands. Well, that doesn't work for romance either. <laughs> yeah. So when we try, like you are saying, we try to be formulaic. Yeah. And we do, do, do. It, we start dying or relationships start dying and then we attack. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. So then like I'm being real. But if, but if you really put like a... There must be a little bit of formula, a little bit to hold the structure. And the formula is we are together. We got, I married a smart person. I love this person. We are in it together. We have each other's backs. We want the best for each other. And you will much easier yell at your partner, not at your neighbor, not at a stranger. Right. Not at somebody you're not trying to build anything with. Right. Because familiarity breeds contempt. Right. But relationships are here for ours to grow. 
contempt is a is an obstacle that makes you fall. Yeah. So if you have a little bit of formula, I'm going to show up my best, trusting that we are in this together. We are a team. Yes. And that's what I call that romantic comedy kind of formula. Because yeah. people, I just want to be myself. I'm just, are you yourself with yourself even? Yes, right. And that goes to, it goes to the, to me in a conscious relationship, conscious partnership, the three biggest like threats are complacency, boredom, and resentment. And complacency, boredom, and resentment are threats because they're all from the lower self. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the model I've created for this is that in the lower self and the higher self split into masculine and feminine energies, the lower feminine is pleasing, people pleaser, and the lower masculine is people controller. And the result of trying to please, which means you always are martyring yourself and the result of um, trying to control, which means you're always an oppressor, always an oppressor when you're trying to control, then you get resentment, you get uh, complacency because you kind of get like in a bucket mindset, like it's just not, you know, I'm going to check out of the, it's kind of like they say in the workplace about RIP, it doesn't mean rest in peace, it means retired in place. So a lot of people retired in place in their, in their relationships. Yes. And then, yeah. And then boredom is another one. That's, that's, that's a, a danger to a relationship. And it's because, and Esther Perel um, talks a lot about this is that, that desire runs on novelty. Um, romance runs on novelty. And so this is the skill. Novelty is a skill to come up with new ways to express your love, to delight your partner, to, to surprise your partner. Um, anyone can do it. That's the thing. But it, it takes bridge a bridge, a connection to do that. It's And that's the kind of the paradox here. It's like, yes, romance is a skill, but if there's no bridge, it's a, it becomes a transaction, which means it's not romance anymore. It's a business deal. Yeah. 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 But also, so one controversial thing, if I may. Of course. Esther Perel is very well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I interviewed somebody who is a, also a New York sexologist, Dr. Snyder, Stephen Snyder. And I asked him in my interview, I said, but Esther Perel says that this is sexless relationships and a romance is not, some, not a problem to be solved, but a condition to be managed. Something like that, she said. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like a... I forgot exactly, but something. And he said, well, I know Esther personally. She is pretty much what he said. She's insatiable with, she wants more. She wants new. She travels all the time. So if you see the dynamics of how she lives her life, Mm -hmm. she's looking through those lenses, novelty, 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 because that's what she is hungry for. Mm. And if you look at many relationships, there is something about, like Dr. Snyder himself, check him out. Uh, his book is Love Worth Making. Okay. So he basically says, I'm content with my wife. They're mm-hmm. religious Jews. They're grounded with that. They have mm-hmm. sex every week because I'm a therapist and I know how it's important to do it at least once a week. There is no seeking of novelty because mm-hmm. the, his personality is not so insatiable as hers is. So I believe that when it comes to those things, it's really individual. 
You're right. Novelty also, I mean, we're talking about brain chemistry to some extent too. Novelty is the, is the, um, is related to dopamine. And if you're neurodiverse like me, ADHD, you know, you need novelty because your brain doesn't produce enough dopamine. The issue that I have with myself, as I notice this, that is that when, as I try to get dopamine from the experiences with Virginia, rather than go out and get some dopamine and come to them. And it make it, and it robs me sometimes of, of, of presence. Um, the other thing that I think is important too, when you say it's very personal, it's kind of one-to-one is in a couple, there's this sort of Mobius strip, this blend of two things. And for us, it's peace and adventure. And we both want peace, but not the, at the expense of adventure, uh, because that leads to complacency. And we want adventure, but not at the expense of peace. And we, we have kind of dr- very different relationship backgrounds um, in, in our prime, pr- prior primary relationships. Um, and I viewed like peace as bore, boredom and she viewed it can, it could view adventure as instability. So we have this back and forth of this, this kind of yin and yang weaving of peace and adventure, you know, back and forth. Um, and I think it's important that every couple find that little thing because okay? there's sort of a dance rhythm to that. Um, about what each person needs. And then the relationship becomes a container of, of experiencing what you need in a healthy way, which is super romantic, actually. Yes. Yeah. Like I lived in so many countries and I would literally feel fire under my feet, like need to move, need to go. Right. And my husband is grounded, calm man, plant him anywhere he will grow. And I'm like, oh, I need don't have enough sun. I don't have enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm a little, you know, want everything. So what you exactly said about peace and adventure, I always say how, like, this is pretty much my tagline when I work with people. It's we are creating peaceful and playful relationships right. because masculine in its higher power, mm-hmm. in its presence, creates peacefulness for the feminine. Yes. And when feminine is peaceful, she can be playful, which yeah. gives a sense of adventure to a man. Yes. And this is how you can have this dynamic yeah. dance without going too much out there, you know, creating novelty. Because the truth about relationship, some people really think, and maybe they really do, need Vips and chains and handcuffs and neighbor affair with the neighbor and God yeah. knows what. And they really feel alive that way, only way. Right. Well, I think that's the thing about novelty is that if that's the only way you get your dopamine hit, then you have a different thing to work on. Um, you there, It's possible to, and I've learned this, um, that it's possible to gain dopamine from the present. Now, do I need to do novel things now and again to get a little, you know, boost? Sure. That's brain chemistry. What I love about this, then I'll go on to the next question is, but I love about this idea of romance as, um, is that it's, it, there's an element of it that's neurohacking. One of the things that I do believe are related to novelty or newness or freshness is it, it the brain isn't that smart. It, it can, it can reset. And this is the way I like to look at it, that romance, like seeing your partner, like you would see fire or water like a river it's not the same fire it's not the same river we could walk down to the colorado river that runs through austin and it's changing every microsecond 
we call it a river as if it's some static thing, like the relationship is a static thing as it changes every day. And what happens is when you pay attention to the details, when you got your noticer cranked up because you're engaged in your, in your present life and your relationships and your work and your self-care, you notice all of these little millions of little changes or thousands of little changes and the brain resets a lot of the brain chemistry as the, as the relates to falling in love. So I, and I say this, it sounds overly romantic maybe, but I, I will fall in love with Virginia five or six times a day. Yes. Um, that, that feeling of like, Oh, wow. Wow. You know? Um, and I think I'm not, again, it's not a formula. You have to actually genuinely be attracted to the person and there needs to be commitment but it's, we're talking about sustaining and growing and nurturing relationships. That's really where romance is. Romance isn't the first date. It's the last date. You know, first date romance is pretty easy, actually. You, don't be an asshole. There's rule number one. Show up on time <laughs> and smell good. <laughs> anyway, so what do you think is the most um, underappreciated or underrated romantic skill? It's my favorite skill. It's also a little controversial. Oh, sorry. this whole show is about controversy. <laughs> <laughs> it's called gold digging. Okay. Okay. It's not what you think. Okay. What I call gold digging is it's a skill, really skill. You need to train yourself of digging the gold, the goodness from your partner from your relationship. Mm-hmm. Let's say your partner is 10 acre land that you were lucky to get. And if somebody tells you this 10 acre land has, I don't know, 50 ounces of gold mm-hmm. all over somewhere. It's not mm-hmm. in one bar. It's a drop here and a drop there. Would you want to dig for that gold? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you did that there is mud and there is more mud and there is nothing and you don't find anything. But your own journey of digging for the gold makes you stronger, makes you smarter, makes you focus on things better. And the mud does not matter as much because, oh, here is a little gold. Oh, here is a little gold. When you find gold, you become richer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your relationship is richer. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with therapy. You often have people go to therapy for months and they just it makes their relationship worse. Right. Because therapy is focusing where you are and how did you get there? That's right. We fight every day. How did you get there? Well, she doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And right. he's always, she's never. And with that, they're digging the mud. They're not digging the gold. But mm-hmm. coaching is where you are to where you want to go. That's okay, right. so to get there, I, my exercise is give me three goals about your partner every day. One about their character. One about how they treat you, relationship with you directly. And one goal about who, who, who is your partner as a character. Second is who is your partner to you and who is your partner in the world. Mm-hmm. World meaning family, neighborhood, friends, mm-hmm. the whole town or the country whichever level of connections you have Mm -hmm. and imagine like this the bee goes on flowers the bee goes on honey Mm -hmm. where does the fly go 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you want to be the bee or you want to be the fly? Yeah, right, exactly. And therapy is often inviting people to be flies and making the poop out of your partner. Right. Yeah, I think Everybody it's Everybody has poop, of course. Yeah, of course. And there's always, you know, there's no this there's no unicorn farts or rainbows here. I mean that, you know, that's we're, we're it's two humans, especially if if one or both people are trauma survivors, you know, there's that whole other factor in the relationship about the way, you know, I, I've dealt with RSD, rejection sensitivity, sensitivity dysphoria within um, this, my relationship. And I've worked through it and it's a gift. It's been, I've been given a gift to pull some things out of my shadows and I deal with it a lot less now. Um, I think, I think logistics is an underutilized skill. The ability to plan, to take care of shit, um, and to have some order and to, and, and I'm speaking primarily we're using, you know, heteronormative terms here. And so, I'm, and I'm speaking to, you know, men essentially in, in relationships with women, I, I think these would cross over to other, um, identities, but, um, is logistics is, for example, having a, uh, uh, an ongoing, I use an Apple note. Um, and I literally call the Apple note romancing Virginia. And it's all of these ideas I have for like date nights and trips and gifts and things like that. And what it does is it takes out the impulsivity of which is, an, and for me, is like reactive as opposed to being strategic. Yes. And then, and then I plan out loosely because it's easy to like over plan um, the date nights. So I know where we're going to go for dinner. I'm not scrambling to find a reservation. I know what kind of what we're going to do for fun. And then the experience unto itself, like she likes to know what kind of outfit so she can prepare earlier that day um, and and what time we need to leave. So she knows how much time she has. So being sensitive and aware of those, those are all logistics details. And then um, and I, I and I and I'm not saying that's for everyone, but I do think that good logistics allows for spontaneity. It allows for the pivot. And we've done it many times, like, you know, dinner reservation, you go, you, you have that. And, but sometimes we'll, we'll leave a little early and we'll stop at a random place that we found on the way to have a drink. Um, many times we had a thing planned. I had a thing planned, but for whatever reason, we were after the dinner, we just do something else. And she pointed this out. Like if we're together, it, the rest of it doesn't matter, you know? And it, it and, and so but I love, I love, I love, I mean, I love logistics. I think romance is probably 50% logistics. At least I would say that, especially for men of just take care of shit. Don't Make ask what you want to do. Yeah. Don't ask what she wants to do, you know, give her options. And the way I say this to men all the time is the queen, the, the king suggests and the queen decides. Nice. And that means she needs information about, but you can't, it, 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 it can't be this, it's similar to even like lovemaking of like, it's not a negotiation, you know, we're not negotiating. It's not a hostage crisis. It's a relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. This is really very important. Most of my clients who are frustrated with their men is because they don't plan anything. Yeah. And it's not hard. Time. I don't know. Yeah. Bullshit. Like you have a, it, uh, like you said, uh, the notes full of ideas. Oh, okay, today's raining. This one doesn't work. There's, okay, this one feels right. This one feels right. And that's the key. Thank you for saying that. Because you got to read the room. Like, you know, if 
if the if if your person isn't energetically, maybe they've had a very long week, and they and or if they're neurodiverse and they don't want to be overstimulated. So sometimes I will ask like level of spiciness. I'll say, do you want medium, mild, medium, or spicy as far as the experience uh, tonight? And I can and I have options. Like, okay, I know we're going to eat dinner, but here's what else we could do. And sometimes we we go to dinner and we come home and we get the laptop and we watch a movie in bed. Like other times, the other night, I think we we're out until three o'clock in the morning, like a couple of teenagers, you know, but it's wildly it's and that is novelty unto itself. So, so you're an expert. I think that I'm pretty damn good at what I do related to romance. Good job. However, we're always working on our stuff, I'm sure. So my last question is my is sort of a it's a vulnerable question, but is what is a romantic skill that you're still working on? The trap of being an expert is that you know what to do. Right. Are you doing it? Mm. You see? So I know that often I know how to ask, properly ask for what I want. And I notice sometimes I just order and control my husband instead of of do it in a proper way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm so glad he's really cool. Sometimes he's like, Oh, yeah, that's how you ask your husband. <laughs> okay, backpedal. <laughs> like sometimes we literally play the game, like, let's do this again game. Right. Like, okay, let's do this again. And I literally move a few steps back and restart the conversation because I know what to do. So I take you for granted and just tell you. And um, what's your skill? I also do gold digging on a regular basis. I must dig three golds. I see how easy it's not to. Yeah. So yeah. And what do you do? I I mean, the skill I'm working on is is sort of energetic listening. And here's here's why. It we, it creates a kind of a tension loop um, that is unintended, which is I read her and I misread her energy and I make it about me. And then I get into perfectionist mode. And then when she doesn't respond the way I want her to, 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 I either get frustrated or I get, most of the time I get even, I get kind of self-loathing. Like, oh, I really fucked this up. Like I didn't do a good job. Mm-hmm. And, and I, there's a part of me that, you know, in the disc, I'm an eight, I'm a D and an I, the D is dominant. The I is influence. The D is like, I'm like a, a, a German shepherd in the I is I'm like a golden retriever. I like to be told I'm a good boy and I rub, have my belly rubbed, you know, <laughs> but the, the main skill is this is ultimately romance is not about me. It's not about me getting my needs met only. It's about giving. It's about um, creating. It's a creativity exercise. And, and so what that requires is energetic listening, um, which you could also say is like read the room is another one or intuition or, you know, which is a deeper thing, which I love requires intuition requires me to be in my higher self. You can't be in your lower self and have intuition. Okay. Um, so may I ask something about that? Of course. So if you say, um, it's not about me getting my needs met. Yes. That's from an intention of romance. The relationship is, but romance if my intention is to get my needs met, if I'm putting, making me the main character in the romance story, that's what I mean. It's then, then it, it creates a different narrative in my own mind related to the, 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 because also it robs me of presence. If I'm making it about me, 
that I'm using judging mind? Is this going the way I want it to go? But sometimes sexually, sexually, sometimes we want to be ravished. Right. And that cannot happen if a man is not hungry to feed his need. Yeah. Okay. So I'm talking. Okay. The same thing about where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Yes. In a date? Yes. Right. Sexually. Does this make you feel good? Do you like this? Like just. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, she told me, Virginia told me the other day, I was, I was checking on her on, she, she was, you know, anyway, she, I'm a dog and she's kind of a cat. And I'm like, are you okay? I'm, I'm, yeah, eh. And she was, stop worrying about me. It's getting annoying. And I was like, oh, okay. I like that directness. Um, yes. So I, I think that when I'm talking about, you're right. When it comes to things like um, intimacy or sex, it's a different, it's a little different. There's a different dynamic there. You still need to read the room. Um, and that's a whole other episode we could have that how men misread the room when it comes to sex and women. But um, I think I think I'm 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 more referring to romance in the sense of like the daily and weekly life of someone that is you know when you're in a relationship with someone. Yeah. So, any parting thoughts? Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Any parting thoughts or anything that you feel like, you know, again, you're an expert. So is there any sort of little detail that you're like, oh, wait, there's one more thing. Well, since I like being controversial and a little funny. um, Yes. A tip for women, especially spread his sperm. Okay. Okay. Men are wired to like, if you think about so much Chinese population, even today, has a mm-hmm. DNA of Genghis Khan, Mongolian guy who would rape everyone and spread his sperm because the, you guys can impregnate, you can make pretty much at least two babies, five babies a day, mm-hmm. right? There is something in the DNA of a man to spread his, to conquer. Mm-hmm. So if you have conflict in your relationship, when you spread his sperm, he will not have to. Meaning... When he can hear you, hey, mom, you know what was fantastic that Justin just did? Mm-hmm. Oh, Facebook, do you know that my husband is the best guy on the planet because blah, 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 blah. I feel so safe and fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hey, the world, right? So this, this way you are spreading his glory. You're spreading that goal that you did. Not just in between you two, you make it public. Mm-hmm. Let's get braggadocious about that. So that actually creates closeness at yeah. home yeah. so nobody has to go around to to spread his sperm yeah wow <laughs> that is uh, quite the metaphor uh <laughs> I, you I know i'm on... funny that way i love using funky stuff yeah <laughs> my my um final tip for men in, in in a relationship with a woman is be a protector of autonomy not of the relationship protect autonomy. And, you know, um, one of my favorite poets, Raina Rilke talked about that, the, that the, one of the roles is to protect each other's solitude, or if you translate it's German, so it translates to solitude or autonomy. And autonomy is eroticism. Autonomy is, is a codependence preventative. Autonomy is a way for both people to grow. And then they get to, then the river is always changing. The fire is always changing. And the masculine is naturally protective. But what I've seen men do is they try to protect their, themselves if their heart's closed. And maybe the next level is they try to protect the relationship. Just protect the autonomy. 
make space, make space. That's a daily mantra that I have of someone that tends towards anxious attachment style, make space, make space. And um, that's, that's my final tip. This was fun and insightful. And I learned a lot from you and um, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your expertise and um, being on the show. Yeah, I love how how mindful you are and you have a, I can see you really work through it. You have your, uh, uh, you dissect things very eloquently. Thank I you. I really, really appreciate you. You sound like a book. I sound like a book. Well, that's yes. that's the best compliment ever. I do. I, absolutely, yeah. you do. You sound like, okay, let me ask the page 350 and there will be wisdom and 283 wisdom. I really like that, how you organize your thoughts so beautifully. Thank, Thank you. you for that, Justin. Thank you. Awesome. Well, have a great rest of your day. Yes. Much love. Bye.